welcome to the Gallant Few podcast. My name is Mason Stewart and I'll be your host this evening for another Premier League show. As always in the Premier League, there's always lots of talking points, so we'll try and rattle through as much as we can tonight. And with me tonight, starting with Colin. How are you, mate? Very good, Mason. Thanks for having me on, as always. Nice one. Next up, Graham Campbell. How are you, Graham? Yeah, good, Mason. Thanks for having me. And Jamie. How are you, Jamie? I'm good, Mason. Thanks again for having me on. No worries. So let's start with the sort of biggest um, talking point from today is uh, Manchester City have been charged by the, the Premier League for, I can't believe this, for more than 100 breaches of uh, financial fair play rules. I don't know how that, that sort of happens. And I was reading through some of them today. It's, it's been going on for, for three or four years. So if they're found guilty, they're, they're going to be looking at points deductions and and a lot more sanctions. Um, Colin, I'll come to you starting with this one before we, we go on to their uh, you know, result yesterday against Spurs. But um, what what's your thoughts on this? Was you surprised to, to hear that you know over 100 breaches? It, it, sound, it sounds absolutely crazy. Chelsea must be shitting themselves right now. <laughs> um, it's just bizarre, like um, the, the timing of it. But no, I, I'm surprised that, well, I'm not surprised that they've potentially breached financial fair play rules. I'm just surprised that they're actually trying to clamp down on it. Um, I'll be even more surprised if they do follow through. I don't know if this is just some sort of play acting that they need to be seen to be doing something. So maybe a, um, a points deduction um, that they're thinking about, then in the end it will just be a transfer embargo. So I think, wait and see. I'm not too hopeful there'll be an actual punishment, um, but it's the first step, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it is if they're, they're found guilty, but, um, you know, it seems like that this has been building the case for, for quite a few years. Graham, what, what was your thoughts on, on that news today? Is it, um, again, is it a surprise or, yeah, I suppose, nothing's a surprise with, with Manchester City and, as, as Colin said, Chelsea as well? I think probably the extent of it was a surprise when they're talking about 100 charges over a, f- a four-year investigation. I think that's probably the kind of shock. If we'd seen that they'd maybe had a, a wee charge here or there or a potential breach, you know, you might see a, a semi-large fine invoked. But you're talking about a four-year investigation with uh, 100-plus charges. I would imagine if found guilty of the above, then you would be looking at um, points deductions and maybe an expulsion from the Champions League. So it's Steven Gerrard trending today into a um, Premier League winner. Steven Gerrard is what is what they were trending for. I don't think it's ever going to come to that. Um, but I would expect more than just a fine if, if I'm guilty. And they're saying that no matter what, they're not going to be able to appeal to the, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, which is interesting. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I would I would expect more than a fine. Definitely. And Jamie, what's your thoughts on this? I think just to touch on it, if it is a fine, you know, they're talking about a fine, that suits Man City all day long. But if they're getting points deductions and kicked out of Europe, that, that's going to obviously have bigger, bigger, you know, problems. Yeah. Um, I was actually, I was listening to the news. I was listening to TalkSport when it broke this morning. I was in the gym. Um, and it was obviously, as you can imagine, just plastered all over. Um, and the lovely Simon Jordan, who's the most business-minded um, of football fans at the best of time, was actually really good in terms of actually explaining it in layman terms. And it's actually 10-year it's 10 years worth of charges, but it was over a four-year investigation. And I think the one that jumps out, and if he was to kind of dumb it down, Mancini, who was the manager, apparently was being paid by a ghost company that was also owned by the Abu Dhabi group. And apparently he received these payments every year 
that actually would more than double his actual wage as a yearly salary. The charges are relating to his wages and apparently many players. So it looks as though there's a lot of fixing the books that's obviously went on at, at, at Man City. And I know it's only charges at the moment, but I think the timing of it is actually quite crucial because the timing of it is probably in, in, in conjunction with the fact that this month they were due to release the independent regulators um you know um list of uh, set expectations of how they were going to try and clean up the league the league doesn't want this independent regulator so the timing of these charges smacks of them trying to say look at us we can clean our own house so i wouldn't be surprised if city do get a really big punishment I'd be I'd be absolutely astonished if it was like relegation and stripping of titles and stuff. It's just not gonna. But again, you can't then hit them with the financial impact. I, you know, it's it's just it doesn't make sense. I would anticipate maybe a points deduction going into the next season. That's even on the basis that they get it across the line. We know ourselves that City are going to have the, big, the biggest lawyers involved that are going to try and get out of it. They got out of the last one based on a technicality. Um, so it wasn't that they were found not guilty. It was actually a technicality. So it's not like they don't have history of trying to, you know, uh, fix these things. So I was I was massively surprised that they came out with such a big dossier of what's been going on. But it doesn't surprise me of what's in there. No, no, it's, it's definitely going to be the talking point for now to, to the end of the season. I wonder, Mason, uh, will there be any pressure from UEFA on the EPL? Is this a good time for UEFA to try and um, warm their nose in? Because obviously they'll be still on edge about the European Super League. How do they keep clubs like that in check while still keeping the big leads inside? I wonder um, if that'll factor in as well. No doubt UEFA are in about everything. So I think in the coming weeks, months, um, they might start playing hardball as well. I do think they've got to make a sort of, you know, make an example. Um, you know, Man City fans won't like that, but. Um, the, the money that's getting sort of thrown about and, you know, if they are you know, found guilty, then they definitely, I, I have no doubt that, that UEFA and FIFA will, will be, you know, involved. But it, it might actually, um, you know, make a little bit more sense with why Cancelo was allowed to go to, to Bayern as well, sort of the last day. You don't know if something, you know, they had to get him off the wage bill or that I found that such, such a strange one. And, and Colin, it leads us into the, you know, their result yesterday, getting beat 1-0 against Tottenham um, and a chance to close the gap to, to two points uh, yesterday. But I thought they were really, really poor. Uh, I, I didn't see them score. I didn't look like scoring, which is something you, you can't say about Man City over the last few years. So there are obviously problems um, behind the scenes there that, that, that haven't been there the last few years. It's weird. They, as if they went out of the way just to isolate Haaland. Um, but... I don't really understand it. I'm watching the, I've only watched the highlights, and even even the goal they conceded, um, the boy just want to play like play it being a ballerina at the eighteen yard box. Why is he not just clear the lines? And time and time again, Haaland, he was just in the space. He's not just a big guy that you cross the ball into in the headers. He's no, he's not a dad or partial way nannies. The boy can run. He's very quick. He's good with the ball in the feet. He's good at running the channels. He's, we spoke about it the last couple of weeks. He's he's probably one of the most rounded players in the world. Which they isolated him so much and. Aye, and Spurs played into that. Spurs tried to press City, and instead of just tried to play through the lines, just hit the long ball and put Spurs back in the the back foot. 
Yeah, I mean, I say we've, we've, we've said about City there, but you've got to give credit to Spurs. I think it was a, a big game for them yesterday. And and Graham, obviously, Harry Kane, um, he, we, we spoke last week about him equaling um, Jimmy Greasy's record. He, he broke it yesterday, becomes Tottenham all-time scorer. Um, and what a game to do it. And obviously winning 1-0. Uh, he's a match winner as well, which which he has been so many times for Spurs. Yeah, and it's it's not the best goal he's ever scored in his life, but that's why the guy's scored so many because he can he can score any given goal time. He's he's just pure world class. Um, this game for purists yesterday, I was like many others sitting there when when you a team that's not Man City, and you're sitting there wondering why. Kevin De Bruyne, um, they've got rid of Cancelo, as you've said, they got rid of Zinchenko at the start of the season, and then really, what have they got in the left, what was it, Rico Lewis really? There's so many things going on, last week we spoke about Arsenal's run for the title, that they need luck in the week, the weekend that they lose away to Everton, they get it some part, there you go. Man City don't capitalise, and, and, and this is the kind of thing that we'd said last week that Arsenal need. So, yeah, it's some strange things going on at Man City, and I think if there's when the results are this inconsistent, and you know, Haaland making the back headlines for negative reasons because he didn't get a shot yesterday is just for me ludicrous. Everyone is entitled to have a, a poor game, the whole Man City team didn't have a great game. Um, I think any off-field stuff isn't going to help that. So, yeah, maybe this is maybe this is the start of the kind of a really patchy bad run for Man City. Maybe in all competitions, the banter years are coming. <laughs> Jamie, let's finish off on on that game yesterday. Then, what, what was your thoughts on it? Um, sort of two points. Tottenham, big win for Tottenham because they they needed that. You know, considering their their last few results against the the top top five or six and. And obviously, what does this mean for Man City? Because um, it was a big opportunity missed. Yeah, I think big big result for Tottenham. There was a couple of stats that came out yesterday that actually surprised me. That Man City have actually not scored at Tottenham's new stadium since it's been built. So that's not surprising considering actually how the game went. It's probably very traditional. That's how it does go for them. Um, the second stat was that that was actually Haaland's first game of the season where he didn't even have a touch in the opponent's box. Never mind, got a shot away. So it's, it's it's not the worst thing. However, on the caveat to that, I would say I didn't see much wrong with Haaland's play. Haaland was actually, he was winning the first balls. There was nobody there to help him. He, he was playing the ball back and spinning off and trying to run in behind. City just weren't playing the ball over the top. They were constantly, constantly kept going back to Rodri, who's naturally a defensive player. So he's always going to play it to the sides. I think arguably the biggest thought process yesterday was why the hell was Kevin De Bruyne on the bench? He confirmed it was tactical. So that doesn't sit right. That doesn't sound right. And somebody like that is the person that swings in the ball to the box for people like Haaland to get on the end of. So it it, it beggars belief on why he started on the bench. I mean, he was fit enough because he came on in the second half, but he didn't even bring him on until roughly about the 65th minute. And even then, he brought him on for Maris, who was arguably the one person that had been playing all right. Jack Grealish got about a million free kicks, but he plays for them. There was there was just no cohesion over the over the team yesterday, and I think the the, the best quote I heard uh, from the, from one of today's reports was it looked as though they had ten plus one. It didn't look like a team of eleven, 
Um, and you could probably go, the problem with City is they've got defensive issues. They've not kept as many clean sheets. The midfield doesn't contribute to the goals as what they've done in previous years, like Gundogan, Bernardo Silva. They just don't seem to be firing. You've obviously got a focal point with Haaland. I don't think anybody questions Haaland. That's why it probably makes the decision to let Cancelo go seem absolutely silly or, you know, out of sync. I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't Pep trying to prove something. If there's something going on in the background that Pep's trying to prove, I'm the guy, follow it with me and I'll put you on the bench or I'll, I'll because Foden's not touched the team in about a month. Cancelo hasn't touched the team in about a month. Kevin De Bruyne got dropped yesterday and arguably the one game, I think, as Graham said, Arsenal dropped points. We've been talking about City's two games against Arsenal, but no, they dropped points. So that was a great opportunity for them to pull it back. So, yeah, I think um, hats off to Tottenham, though. Um, they did it without Conte sitting on the bench. Um, Tottenham played a perfect game. I thought Hoiberg was absolutely brilliant yesterday. And I think um, one, arguably one of the better players was actually also Emerson Royal, who he gets so much stick. I'm not a big fan of him, but he had he had Jack Grealish on toast yesterday. Um you know, he was beating his chest out and he get a tackle in the 90th minute and stuff. It was just, it was good to see for the neutral. Yeah, no, no, as you said, um, yeah, a bit surprising there with Emerson Royale. Not a fan of him at all, but do agree. I did think he had a good game yesterday. Um, but big win for Spurs. And I think there's going to be more sort of problems coming for City when, when you see that decision, as you say, with Kevin De Bruyne on the bench. It's utter madness from Pep. But, but Colin, let's come to you. The, the next point then is um, the, the second biggest, you know, breaking news today was... Um, the Leeds manager, Jesse Marsh, um, has been sacked. I think this one was, to be honest, I think I'm sure one of us said that he was in trouble. or maybe all three of us said it uh, last week that that he was, you know, he, he was, you know, their results were, were poor and he was under a bit of pressure. I think a lot of Leeds fans had sort of made their mind up already before the World Cup and maybe the World Cup saved him, you know, a, a little bit you know, more time. But they got beat at the weekend 1-0 and um, to not, you know, Nottingham Forest who, you would expect to be down there at the end of the season. Big win for Forrest. Um, but what was your thoughts on, on 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 Marsh getting the sack? Was it a surprise or did you see that coming off the result yesterday? No, I think all three years for a... I mean, I think we all we all like him as a coach. Um, we all like Leeds as a, a club um, in terms of a neutral point of view, how they've done since they've come back into the Premier League. But everybody said um, he, has to, he has to start turning out results and my big worry was where did the goals come from? Um, we're not getting enough goals, and that first half that must have been so frustrating. And that's sometimes it just doesn't click for you, it doesn't. But they had, they had chance after chance, and they just couldn't finish it in the way. Then a lovely, lovely finish for the the Northern Forest boy. Um, that like that volley, it takes it so well. Um, what was really interesting, it was just how different leads were first half to second half. First half, it was chance after chance. And yeah, the boy in the left wing, I don't know if that's a new signing or no, um, Mason, but they just tried to play him. Um, everything was going down that channel. And then once Nottingham Forest marked him in the game, they just panicked. And that's just a, that's just a, a club in trouble. I mean, how often did we see it with Rangers in the, the tail end of 2022? Just... When, when the only thing you know what to do isn't working for you, you panic and they just wasted the ball so much. It was it was awful. And what's probably surprising for me is that they've allowed me to go and spend a wee bit of money in January. Uh, and it's no, 
it's not just a pop it leads. I'm going to have it here. It's just the Premier League in general. Why do you continue to do this? Why do you back managers with millions, knowing that the one poor result away if you're getting sacked? Why not just cut your losses there and then, um, and then give the new person some money to play with? Mental, but I think it's uh, the right thing to do. Um, I, I can't see him turning it around. So, be interesting who who they bring in. It is a you know I never get that. I think they broke their transfer record on a on the striker Ruta. Um, this window uh, the window just gone and and then yeah get rid of him not even a, a week later. But that is the Premier League. I'm afraid it is just absolute bonkers. But um, Graham, um, let's come to you. What, what was your thoughts on obviously the sacking? Um, but also, you know, want to say um, Forrest, a uh, big win for Forrest yesterday. And uh, it was Johnson, Brennan Johnson, who got the winner yesterday. It was a great goal. Uh, he looks a really good player, to be fair. I think, you know, he, he's one of the, you know, uh, Forrest's best players. Um, but, you know, and, and also I've got to mention the signing of Navas as well. I don't know how um, they managed to get him in goal, but he, he got man of the match yesterday from PSG. And, he, 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 you know, he was brilliant, especially in that first half, as Colin said. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the thing with Steve Kerbrink, they've taken 10 points out, out of a possible 12 now. Um, since kind of, I mean, they were probably rock bottom at, at that point, obviously, and they went in a good run. does, of course, show you don't have faith in your manager. I think they actually gave him a new contract, just kind of in the midst of that, before they went on this run, obviously showing, look, um, regardless of what happens, you've brought us up. Um, we're backing you with, uh, in the transfer market probably an understatement to say that with Forrest and what they've done this year. And they went in a good run. I, I don't think they'll go down at all. I think there's a lot worse out there than, than them. Jesse March, look, he hadn't won a league game since November. As I said, I, I do quite I do quite like him. Uh, and it would have probably been nice to see him get, get a bit more time. They weren't horrendous. There was quite a lot of draws along the way, certainly in the last few weeks. Um so yeah, and a, a couple of cut wins to go with that, I guess. I think he probably could have got more time, but as as you say, once the fans get on their back and, and the Leeds fans were singing for him to go um, after Forest game, which you can also get. So um, his time was up. I think it'll be interesting to see who they get in, looking at the kind of top five favourites for the job. I think they're semi-unrealistic as well. I'm not sure they're going to get a Pochettino. Uh, they're not going to tempt Brendan Rodgers for Leicester. Would they be going backwards to bring back Bielsa? And then, okay, so now they're going Cobran from West Brom. I wouldn't have thought Leeds fans would be absolutely delighted by that one either. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I really do think if they don't get the right man in, I mean, I know they're only one spot above relegation. I'm not trying to state the obvious. But, yeah, I think with uh, with, with Everton on that, maybe under, under Dice, you know, that it's, it's dangerous for them. No, definitely. I think you make a really, really good point there about who they can attract at sort of this stage. And I think the best of the, you know, the best managers may be, may be gone now that they're sort of obvious candidates. So it'll be really interesting to see who they uh, go for there. Jamie, I'll get, I'll get your point on this because I say it was a, a big talking point and uh, will be a big talk, talking point this week. Um, what was your thoughts on, on Marsh's time at, at Leeds and who do you reckon should go in there uh, to replace him? Um, I think... I think kind of like Graham, it's probably 
so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised they let him go right now, based on the fact that they let them, they, they spent, they didn't just let him spend money, they actually let him bring in his kind of players. You know, there was a few American-based players, there was the German-based player, they were very much a Jesse Moss kind of signings, but then to sack him a game later seems, it seems a bit surreal, like, that doesn't make sense at all. I think the one thing that's troubling about Leeds is that it's not like it's not like the same as when uh, Lampard was at Everton. When, you, when Lampard was at Everton, you could see the players were struggling. You could see the players were not doing what they were meant to. They were they were breaking down in defence. Um, the same for Bournemouth when Scott Parker was in charge. Leeds actually look as though they have a go. They actually have a game. They, they, they've well organised. They attack well. They just lack quality up front. Um, they, they, they've got a young forward in Nonto, but they just lack that killer edge, which means that they've not been getting the points. So I was surprised that they did let Jesse go. Um, but then again, when somebody reads the start of like winning one game since November, your writing's on the wall. Whichever team you're in in, in the league for that, um, that that's always going to be a sticking point. Um, I think it's going to be a struggle for them to bring in um, a high-quality manager. Um, I heard Bielsa has already been ruled out. Um, they've got the Cobral one as the as the link that's probably the favourite, and that's probably more to do with the fact that he was at the under twenty three. He coached the under twenty three team for two years before he went to Huddersfield. Um, but if you look at Leeds' statement today, they were the, the last part of the statement mentioned they were going to look for a manager for the long term. Cobra Hills had four four teams in four years, so if they do employ him, it doesn't sound like that's the kind of avenue that they're going down. So they are probably going to be look for somebody long term that is possibly going to do the championship or the Premier League. However, I think championship would be the worst case alone for them. I, I really do. If they fall now, it'd be a struggle for them to get back up. Um, it's very unsettling times for Leeds at the moment, I think. No, definitely. I think we said last week about their recruit, how important their recruitment was and and, and has been. Um, but I do think that that Notto is it Notto the, the winger uh, again. You know, as Colin said, and, and as you said there, Jamie, the first half he looked he looked brilliant. I think he is a definitely a, a bright spot for Leeds. But I do just worry where the goals come from for Leeds. I think that's going to be a big one. Whoever sort of comes in there. But um, Colin, let's move it on. Um, Sean Dyche um, got his first. You know, first game as Everton manager, uh, off to an absolute flyer by beating, uh, you know, tabletop as Arsenal um, at Goodison Park. Um, what made me laugh is there was videos, uh, I think Tuesday, last Tuesday or Wednesday, of, of the players at training, um, bleak tests, um, being sick. Um, he banned snuds and, and hats uh, for training, book bats, shin pads. Um, at just, you know, absolute old school. But... Um, I think, you know, watching them Saturday, they look like a completely different team. And it's mad what a manager can sort of go in and change so quickly, um, which is a, you know, a big win. But also, I think it's set the tone for Everton now. And I think if you're a team in and around Everton, you're going to, you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to fancy them to sort of stay up now with, with Dyche in charge. Uh, Sean Dyche, um, his style of management is going to be an adjective in years to come. We're going to talk about Dyche in ways. Um, and it's Everton that you expect. <laughs> I found it interesting the build up to this game and it's you know the the, the pundits say it's the worst possible start to his Everton reign. I, I think it's total nonsense. That was a free hit for him. Um absolute free hit. If Everton gets scuddied off Arsenal, it's the case it's his first game. Cool. That can happen against the league leaders. Even if they got beat in, there was signs of improvement. That's a win for Deitch. 
and that was an absolute best case scenario that we got in, in Saturday. It was um, very typical of what we what we were expecting. What I, I really like about it is how quickly the players have responded to it. You can see already they're, they're bought in, they're starting to play as a unit, but it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's what we expected. There were so many long balls in the Calvert Lewin with the flick on, where uh, the winners are the full backs. Try get the same ball, get the ball in, and you've seen chance after chance came for either a cross ball or a corner, and they eventually got it. It's funny, every corner went deep to the back post. It was a foot in, just they want their big players to go run and batter the Arsenal defenders. And also, I should say, Arsenal were a bit wasteful in front of the goal as well. They didn't have their shooting boots on. So from an Arsenal point of view, you're going to be really disappointed. From an Everton point of view, you're, you're going to be delighted. Looking at Everton's fixtures, I think um, we, with the style of play, I think we teams come to have a go at Everton when they sit in with that narrow like, V that Sean Dyche always talks about and try and hit them in the break with a long ball. They'll get points for that, but they've got Leeds United at home um, after the Liverpool game. They've got Aston Villa at home. They're waiting on them Forest. How much are these teams going to have a go at Everton? And if it's just a bit of stalemate, I think we're going to see a lot of boring, potentially 1-0s or nothing each to us. Um, it should still be enough to get them over the line if they buy into it, but that's probably one thing I would, uh, I'm looking out for with Deitch. How does he do? How well is he going to do against the teams around him? No, it's a really you know good point, and we obviously see it a lot with with Rangers playing against teams that you know don't come and have a go at us, and when they do, we are able to, to pick them off. But um, you know, Dash to, to be fair, I think it's a really good appointment for Everton. I think that the biggest problem at Everton over the years has been the amount of goals they've conceded, and if they can start you know ticking off the clean sheets and being defensively a lot better, I, I think they'll no doubt improve. Graham. So obviously, you know, big win for Everton and Dyash, but what, what did you make of, of Arsenal at the weekend? Because I thought there was a, it was a real, you know, I'm going to be honest, it's a real typical Arsenal performance. We've seen previous, you'd say, our typical Arsenal go there and, and don't turn up. But I thought they were really poor and I think they were sort of second best um, all, all game on Saturday. Yeah, totally. I think a lot's been made at Arsenal's record at Goodison Park. I don't know how much that comes into it. Uh, regardless how, how far back a record goes and how good um, your team's playing. I think the whole new manager bounce is obviously going to help Everton. It was a really poor it was a really poor result for Arsenal. I mean not to get anything but look we know Arsenal as good as they are, um it's not like they're they're one of the best Premier League teams we've ever seen. We don't expect them to go and win absolutely every game of course are going to um have stumbling blocks and Goodson Park's notoriously a hard place to go. Um, especially as I said with the new manager bounce, but yeah, it was a it was a it was a poor performance. But as we've said, look, Sean Dyche, man, what a guy, what an absolute guy. I, I really, really like Sean Dyche. I liked his interview after the game. Um, I like how candid he is, and he's obviously not getting on top of himself um, whatsoever. The team that started against Arsenal, whether it was eight or nine that started the previous game away to West Ham that lost 2-0 and saw the manager get the bag, it just shows what even four or five days in the training ground with Sean Dice maybe changing the mentality a bit, uh, going with a bat four rather than maybe that kind of three-five 
uh, that three kind of five two that Evan been playing. I think it was more a flat back four and uh, kind of packed the midfield more. So look, it was different. It was more Sean Dyche. Uh, and it was yeah, it was it was a it was a great result. As I said, he'll not be getting carried away. I wouldn't say they're absolutely safe, but I, I said before that I would be really surprised if they would go down with Dyche in charge. Whereas that appointment could have so easily have went somewhere else. But I think he's the right guy to save him. No, I absolutely agree. I think it's uh, if I'm being honest, I think it's the the appointment that should have been made after Ancelotti. Um, I know it wouldn't have been sort of. Everton fans wouldn't have been that excited by it, but I think it'd have been a safe choice considering, you know, Lampard. I think he's proven that Premier League might not be be for him. But but Jamie, what's your thoughts on 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 Dyche? Obviously, you know, great start and also Arsenal. Um, but then I think Arsenal don't don't you think Arsenal will have a lot of confidence knowing that they've slipped up, but you know, Man City obviously haven't you know taken advantage of it as well. Oh, they'll certainly think they've got away with one. With that, for you know, for sure. Um, the one thing I would say, I watched the the Arsenal game. It was the, obviously the early kickoff. You could tell after two minutes where Everton were going to get something out of the game because the way they started, um, the boy or Nana um, absolutely crunched a couple of them and come out with the ball, and you just think, nah, this is not going to go the way Arsenal want it to. Um, and it was typical that it was two Deitch uh, players that connected with Dwight McNeil's corner and Tokowski has a header. Like it couldn't have got more Deitch of a performance if you put it if you put your ring on it. Um, he he made subtle changes. He brought Decore and Dwight McNeil back in. He moved Iwobi from the left to the right, and he got them joining the attack. So Calvin Lewis wasn't all on his own. Um, and it you know you could tell from two minutes that they were definitely up for it. They were going to get something out of the game. So, yeah, props to them. Um, the only thing I would say is they beat Man City um, early in the season and then didn't win again for like two months. So um, Everton, you know, I've still got to kind of get back onto it. Um, hopefully that's not next Monday. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I still think I still think they'll struggle based on what the fixture list looks like, but I think Sean Dyche is. It's good to see him back in the league. I'm a big fan of Sean Dyche. He, he, you get what you see. There's, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. Um, but Arsenal will be definitely um, thinking that they've missed the trick or they got away with the trick, should I say? Um, I wasn't too. I was a bit miffed with uh, Arteta's presser at the end of it, though, about how much he loves his players and how much he loves them just because they lost and stuff and. Surely that's not what he's saying in the dressing room. Surely he doesn't go in there and go, "I love you, boys." You know, let's, let's wait till next week. I don't get it. I, I don't know. It just doesn't sit right. Um, if you've I seen the Arsenal something... documentary, Jamie, then it wouldn't surprise me, man. He's yeah. he's wrote some weird methods, didn't he? Yeah, with his light bulb and playing, yeah. you'll never walk alone and stuff in training. But um, yeah, I, it just seems a weird one. I mean, he could have come out and went, you know what? We went to the races today. Um, we will go again, and nobody would have batted an eyelid because they would have went, "Ah, oh, that's fine. It's good. It's an early kickoff. Let's see what City do." But um, yeah, it just it just didn't sit right with his presser after. I think the thing as well, we talked last week, the week before about. Um, and Carson will regret not signing Mudrick. Like if if they sign Mudrick, like he he plays at the weekend. Mm-hmm. What happened was the two players they've signed are the two kind of key players, so to speak. Well, whether they are going to be, but Trossard and Jorginho. I mean, they they both started in the bench. I think we've said Jorginho's probably mate. I mean, they've signed him. Would we expect him to be a starter? No, Trossard. No, maybe I I wouldn't certainly. Whereas Mudrick's the guy that. 
I do think Arsenal needed somebody that was going to walk into their eleven and, and really kind of take them at the next level. And that's where I think that they'll regret it. And you can already see if maybe more squad players. Yeah, absolutely. It makes our squad stronger. Yeah, if they get some injuries, it's not going to go absolutely tits up. But from from week to week, they've they've missed that. They've missed that really influential kind of player that's going to take them to the next level. And I think, I think, I think that game on Saturday would have been one that might have been different on on a kind of an elite player. I would say. I would say probably not going for Joe Felix was probably a bigger miss than not going for Mudrick. I think Joe Felix is a very Arsenal-style player. That link-up, striker, winger, he would have walked into that team. Mudrick, I think, that's a lot of money for a guy that's played about 30 Champions League games. Um, I think the Joe Felix one, they'll probably, they weren't in for it. They would probably miss out a little bit more. Dang it, they were, Arsenal are never going to spend the money that Chelsea have put into Joe no, of Felix. Course, of course. They told about Mudrick. I, I think they would have spent the money and it was the wages in the end for Mudrick. They have a wage structure, but mm-hmm. I mean, that Joe Felix transfer is wild what they're spending for a six-month loan. And yeah. I think that's where Arsenal just wouldn't, wouldn't even turn their head at that. Thing. It is definitely a, you know one that the, at the end of the season is going to be one of them, and it? They've, they've rather got, have. It, got it wrong. But I think Mudrick would be one that Years to come, I think they'll look back and go, we should have just, you know, we should have got him. But obviously, fair play to Arsenal, not breaking a wage structure, you know, you know, fair play. But, it, it, you know, he, he didn't obviously have a great game at the weekend there, Woodrick. But um, I think years to come, he, he's going to be a top, top player. Colin, uh, moving it on then to, to Southampton. Um, there was reports this morning that, that the Southampton owners um, were, were, you know, going to be in talks with... Uh, Nathan Jones about his, his recent record um, and then you know later in the afternoon they're going to stand by him um, their form uh, since he's gone in domestic league wise has been he's been really really poor um, followed by some of his press conferences which even before uh, the one on Saturday I was a little bit you know surprised by and, and taken back by to be honest someone that's managed in the championship uh, for mighty Luton Town um, but he's come out and said that he's one of the best coaches in Europe um, before we touch on um, their 3-0 defeat to, to Brentford at the weekend, what was your thoughts on uh, Nathan Jones's his comments? And just quickly before you do, um, I think Southampton are bang, bang in trouble. You know, we spoke about Everton appointing Daesh, uh, Wolves getting big jewels. Uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name again. And uh, Villa uh, getting Emery. Um, I think, you know, as I say, with them, them appointments sort of going on and Leeds might go and get a, a good appointment as well. I think Southampton are bang in trouble. Nathan Jones is just an absolute parody. He really is. He's, he is um, like Alan Partridge esque. Um, I, I can't believe it. Um, I, I didn't actually see the comments until you as well chatting about his interviews today in the group chat. So I went on and seen and I'm like, surely I'm not reading this. So I went on and watched the video and I'm like, come on. That's um, I, it's just bizarre, and and that's as a sign of like obviously a manager under pressure wants to show that he's confident in his own ability and his team, uh, but it's just gone too far the, the other way. Um, the whole rumours surrounding the owners' thoughts in Southampton, whether they were going to sit him down or then now they're backing him. We, we've seen this time and time again. We've seen it up here with Aberdeen where um, Jim Goodman was given the vote of confidence for six days and then it was sacked. Um, I don't see Nathan Jones being the manager 
when we record next week. Um, the the uh, sorry, I just had the face in front of me there. Um, the the home of Wales. Wales are going to be fine, high in confidence. And um, we we spoke about the change in appointment for Wales, and that's um, you know we're starting to see a bit of vision with him. You don't see any vision with Southampton. Um, I'd be absolutely shocked if he was here. I don't want to take away from Brentford, but Brentford, um, they've been doing this time and time again, taking the bins out, just beating the teams they should be beating. They've been going on a, a really good run, almost Brighton-esque, and everybody's talking about Brighton, but Brentford, albeit again more, only a point behind Brighton, and that's been some run they've went on um, the last... Um, you know, the last couple of months, they're not winning every game, but they're, they're picking up points, even the draws in the games where they're maybe not expecting to. Um, that's They've been quite fun to watch as well while doing it. It's not as if they're grinding out results. It's been quite a fun team to watch this year. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, as you said, the, the teams around them, uh, I think I've got more quality, uh, Southampton, uh, Graham. But, but just to, obviously, you know, Southampton are banging trouble, but Brentford. Brentford, to be fair, Thomas Frank has done an amazing job. And if you are a Leeds, to be honest, I know you know you'd say Frank would be mad to leave Brentford to go Leeds, but Leeds are a, no disrespect to Brentford, a, a big big club, you know. And so that would be a really good project, I think, for a manager like Frank. Whether he'd leave, you know, Brentford, I doubt it. But what have you made of, of them? Because they're they're you know even their signing policy as well, their, their recruitment's been been top notch, and that's another really good result for them at the weekend. Yeah, obviously um, the the money ball approach, I guess that they've they've been working on for over a decade now, it's obviously paying off. But you you do need your you do need your coaches, um, and and Thomas Frank has been amazing. I do think, in a sense, that his achievements are going a wee bit under the radar this year because of how well Fulham are doing, how well Brighton's doing under Deserby. Like I do feel that it's a wee bit under the radar. I'm not saying people aren't aware or people haven't spoke out, Frank, but. He's definitely not in the conversation he was last year um, uh, with, with Brentford. So, yeah, Leeds would be a great project. But I don't know. I, I just feel like, is he going to leave? Is he going to leave a team that are kind of trying to solidify a European place just now? And it's a realistic European um, goal. OK, if Liverpool and Chelsea pick up, it's going to be hard to stay there. However, right now, that's where they are and they're picking up the results. I do think it will be a matter of time before somebody comes in for Thomas Frank, and that's not necessarily a Premier League club. It could be somebody from one of the other big five leagues. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how his career goes, but look what he's doing just now is really impressive. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, I think he's, you know, he, he, he keeps going. I think he will get a bigger job than the league's job. I think the way that, that Thomas Frank's going, I think he's, he's, he's doing that well. And I think, again, you make a really good point about, you know, Brighton and, and Fulham maybe taking the gloss off off of them a, a little bit. Jamie, I'm going to move it move it on though, and I'm sorry, I've got to come to you on, on this one and I with Liverpool um, at the weekend. Um, I didn't actually realise this one, but it's three away games in a row um, defeats, but also conceding three goals um, each time. Um, what what is going on with Liverpool? I know you sort of touched on it last week, but that first fifteen minutes was horrendous. Yeah. Um... It's just been part of the sideshow that has been our performances this season. Um, I think, you know, um, to spend so much time on the training ground, talk about the stats, if you like, you know, the, the, the performances, the way record, 
to then put another performance in like that, um, like Klopp must be flabbergasted to an extent. Um, I watched the game. I was I was the same. There were certain decisions that were made by senior people within the team that just made no sense. The first goal, as an example, like so, so Wolves, Wolves were very direct. They were straight at the blocks. You know, credit to them. They came at Liverpool. And and to be fair, we played them twice recently in the cup. So they knew kind of how to get us. We drew nil-nil the first gig, and then they only we put them out by a Harvey Elliott, absolute screamer. Um so so they've played us uh, recently to understand, you know, how to kind of get at us. And they put and they pulled off the the they had um, this, the more attacking players, Sarabia, Cunha, um, Matias Nunes, all started, um, came out of the box flying. Before the goal, they had essentially two chances in the box that Alisson saved, and that was in the first three minutes. My head was in my hands already at that point. The goal that actually happened was a, a bit of a hit-and-hope ball into the box. The striker ran onto it, and for whatever reason, Matip stops his run. He's running towards the player, but stops a bit two foot away from him, which means he's now naturally behind the play. The boy cuts it back, it kicks in off his leg, and you just think, how in the hell? What, what What's going through his head? And even now, you look at it and you go, that's like Matip was being talked about as one of the best free transfers in Premier League history within the last two years because his performances alongside Van Dijk were out of this world. Um, last season, he, you know, he, there was a there was a there was a couple of months. I think it was after Christmas where he was he'd scored something like four goals in four Premier League games. He was a rock. He was an absolute stalwart. But he's making silly decisions, and that wasn't the only decision in the game. He made about three or four of these that resulted in big chances or potentially goals. I don't think, as a manager, you can account for them. Because you're working on teams, you're working on individuals, you know where fitnesses are, you know where people's state of minds are because you've got all this team around you that are obviously looking at the players. Something's obviously switching off in the players' minds that says he's either too relaxed, he's either not being truthful to manage by saying I'm not 100% or something. I don't, I, you know, I, it's it's flabbergasting. We've still got a, le- a shitload of injuries that are obviously struggling with. The only bright spot for us to come out at the end of the weekend was the 19-year-old central midfielder again, Biatic. For such a young lad and only playing his fifth game, he, he, it looks it looks as though he's been he's been there all season. The problem with he can't play his normal game because he's having to chase games. He's having to chase people around the park because Thiago doesn't do it. Um, you know, it's 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 so hard for for the young players to come in. Um, his club started with uh, Darwin Nunes, Gakpo, and Salah at the weekend. Salah looks off it. Salah had about three chances. He put all three of them over the bar. Two seasons ago, Salah could have put, put them in the top bin with his eyes closed. Um, so there's obviously, again, there's something there that's not clicking in. Salah is getting the ball out wide, but constantly coming in on his left foot rather than hitting the byline. So again, there's got to be questions there that says, what is our strategy? What is it we're doing? Darwin Nunes does all the running, he gets in people's faces, he makes them make stupid challenges, he gets one-on-one one with a goalkeeper and he blasts it directly at him. So again, you're like, it's just it's just too many things um, that are not picking up. I think I heard somebody say Liverpool's biggest problem is it's not just one problem. And that's, and I, I can't really argue with that. The good news yeah. is, is that we've got Luis Diaz, Van Dijk, and Diego Jota all coming back in the next couple of weeks, as in the back and training. Diaz is now running with the ball again. They won't fix everything, 
but their press, you know, Diaz and Giotta's press up front is where it all starts from. I'm kind of hoping they kind of slot back into the team and we get to we get to play about a little bit. Um, I'm certainly not in the clop out brigade that everybody outside of Liverpool wants. Um, there was I was I was pl- pleased to see there was banners up at Anfield on the state on the gates um, at the weekend saying you know Klopp must stay and I think Carragher said it best I'd get rid of everybody else before I get rid of Klopp I think he's got too much money in the bank I think he's a tremendous manager arguably one of the best the league's ever seen um, he needs a season over and done with and he needs he needs a fresh start um, so yeah watch this space is probably the only thing I can say which is absolutely terrifying considering we've got the Merseyside Derby next week I don't think. Are you really terrified? The Mel's saying, "Darling, I don't think." No, I love I'm, ter- I'm, <laughs> I'm terrified. Connor Gold, Cody turns up and smacks in a one-nil header on the ninety-fifth minute, and I'm fucking just wasted my whole night cheering, thinking, living in a bit of hope. I think um, no one, no one is for one second suggesting Klopp is not a good manager. He's obviously one one of the best in the world. No one is, no one in the right mind is going to be actually really suggesting Klopp out just now. Uh, it's like Pep at Man City, it would take a hell of a lot for their fans to turn on him. However, goodwill does only last for a certain period of time. I think if this were to go on and prolong into next season, I think you would then maybe start to hear um, a kind of a different viewpoint from, from fans and, and your guys like Carragher. The thing about Klopp is he does have previous with us. He has such unbelievable success and then there's like levelling consistency when you look at uh, with Mainza, he got them promoted, did really well in the Bundesliga, stabilised them eventually and then couldn't get them up. Then with Dortmund, unbelievably successful with them. Then they go through a pretty rough patch, kind of mid-table. Okay, they win a couple of cups and then he decides to call it a day and there's rumours he'd kind of lost interest in the job, so to speak. I'm sure a lot of nonsense. The point is, I think there's always a wee storm with Klopp. I think um, this might be it with Liverpool. And I don't think success is ever far away. So I certainly think that if this season's going to be a failure, I don't think there's any really way back. They're not going to win anything this season. I don't think you'll finish in the top four. However, it wouldn't surprise me next season if he's going some crazy charge, win a couple of trophies and are going to the Premier League. You know, it's, that's yeah. the thing with him. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of people do say that quite a lot of obviously about his previous roles, um, especially at Dortmund. I think the one thing that people forget at Dortmund is that. He kept losing his best players. He kept losing his best players to to Bayern Munich of all people. You know, I'd be like, I'd be like losing Salah and Mane, and you know, your best players to Man City. There's going to be a point where you crack and go, right? Am I not getting the investment? Am I getting the investment? What is the strategy here? So I completely understand potentially how that tripped off him when he was at Dortmund. I think this is slightly different. I think there's the there's there's the uncertainty of the club in terms of the sale of the club. So while that's uncertainty is going on. You know, are FSG going to really stump up? If if FSG have got the club up for sale, which is what the rumour is, are they really going to turn around and say, right, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you another £120 to go and buy Jude Bellingham. Nobody would do that. They would wait until the sale was completed and then allow that money to be released. So there's obviously a lot of uncertainty that goes right now. A lot of people, when when I was saying that people are saying uh, clop out, there's actually, there is certain portions of the fan that are saying FSG and Klopp are intertwined and they should all leave and kind of start again. I, I think that's very unfair. I think, you know, 
Klopp doesn't have the money on the purse strings. He's obviously got a list of players that he goes and speaks to the club about and talks about, these are my targets, this is who I'd like to see, and, and they would say the same. I would be interested to see who signed off the Gakpo deal. I'd be interested to see who made those kind of deals because if that money was there and somebody like Klopp says, go and get me Gakpo, rather than go and get me a strike, a midfielder, then that's obviously then gone up on Klopp. And I think that's where he obviously has to start shoulder the blame. We're never going to find out these kind of things, but I do agree with him. He can only get away with it for so long. And I love Klopp to bits, but if he go, if this form, which let's, let's face it, actually happened at the tail end of last season. So it's not brand new this season, tail end of last season, we were kind of really struggling. Um, it's evident that we need, um, I think, you know, midfielders. I think I read the other day, we've actually only brought in one midfielder since selling Jeannie Wijnaldum. Let I just sink in. Jeannie Wijnaldum, we've had one, one midfielder since, and that was Thiago. So there's a lack of investment in the midfield. And I think that's that's what has to happen this summer. If that doesn't happen this summer, you know, then the questions will be asked and it'll be on Klopp then. I think Klopp would walk away before he would get sacked. Um, you know, if he doesn't get the investment that he's looking for at the end of this window, I think that might be a factor. We all know about a, a midfielder um, with, with no investment in the in the midfield, Damien, trust me. Um, uh, we're talking 50 grounds, not uh, 50 million. Um, but but moving it on, uh, Colin, to to Man United. We'll, we'll, come, we'll come to Man United next. They uh, another win for Man United. Not apparently not at, at their best. Um, but you know one thing that they've done on the Van 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 Hoy is going to get you know results. And I think you know again two uh, one at the weekend. Rashford since he's gone in there has been unbelievable. Arguably maybe player of the season so far. You, you could argue Rashford. Um, but Casemiro sending off right at the end. Um, I want to come, um, you know, if we've got time, we'll come to all you on this. Did you think it was a, a red card? Um, no, I, I don't think it was a red card. Um, I'm a bit biased. I've always loved Casemiro. He is a wee bad bastard, isn't he? Um, always loved him um, at Madrid. Um, I, I think Ten Hag, um, he's maybe exaggerated a bit, um, but he, he's... The sentiment is right that if you're going to send Casemiro off for that, then there's probably another handful of players that you're going to be sending off as handbags. Um, and it's, you know, they, they say it seems we don't don't like to see. I absolutely love to see them. Um, that's nonsense. Um, but if it's nothing bad, there's, uh, I've seen Boston get a booking for it. I don't know if that's maybe just me adapting to the nonsense that is Scottish football and what you get away with. Um, but no, I, I really don't think it was a, a red card missing. No, I've got to agree. Graham, um, Man United, uh, another win for them, ticking them off. Um, you know, as I said, they they could be the ones that end up giving Arsenal a run for their money at uh, the way that they're sort of, you know, the last sort of 10, 15 games. Um, another another win. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll come, what do you think, Casemiro? Was it was it a red card or, or was it a bit soft? Probably what Collins just said, to be honest. But handbags, um, but you know, you do you do something like that, then it's always a risk. So, um, however, that's what man you're getting with Casemiro. That's what they've needed some absolute bulldog in the middle of the park. Yeah, they, they kind of let them down. Um, I can't remember who it was against the game before Arsenal when he picked up the book and um, then gets suspended and can't play the next game. Yeah, okay, that's not cost him against Palace, obviously. However, um, now he's going to be missing. Their next game, they're on a good run. They are still eight points back from 
from Arsenal. I think Arsenal have a game in hand on them. I don't think they're going to catch them. I still think uh, the only team with the capability to catch them is Man City. Um, so I think Palace need to be worried, though. I think they're on a poor run of form, and I think they're they're really going to start looking over their shoulder now towards the relegation zone. They have an okay-ish cushion just now, but if they do not start picking up a couple of victories, then they're in trouble. Yeah, I think Vieira's done a really good good job at Palace, um, to be fair. But I, I agree. I think their recruitment in sort of the last two windows probably hasn't been as good. Um, they haven't had the investment that a lot of clubs around them are getting. Um, but Palace always a club as well that I feel like punching sort of above above their weight as well, which makes it difficult. Jamie, what was your thoughts on on United and uh, and yeah, and maybe you know Palace as well? Are they are they going to be in a, a relegation fight this season? I hate making cases for Man United. Like I feel dirty by just talking, giving them kind of praise, but they're an absolute juggernaut right now. Like it just seems as though they're absolutely battering through everybody. Um, even people like Bruno Fernandes look has always got his mojo back. You know, he's um, Rashford has just been an absolute enigma. I'm not going to go as far as saying player of the season, but like it's ridiculous kind of run that he's actually on. Definitely not a red card, in my opinion. Um, I've seen a second replay that was provided from one of the fans, and Casemiro's actually got the top of his top of his collar. He doesn't even have his on the neck. He's actually got the top of his collar, and at that side of the pitch, the pitch actually curves off. So Will Hughes is actually about about a foot below Casemiro. So it's it is very very much handbags. Um, I felt a bit for him there because actually, you know, to come back and then get another three-match ban, it's a bit harsh, but um, it's okay. They could just pull up McTominay. McTominay's the man, isn't he? So hopefully he'll get them done. But I, yeah, the fact that Martial's not playing good, the fact that um, Ronaldo's now gone, uh, Vegos just came in, Rashford's still doing the business. He's an absolute enigma compared to what he was doing two years ago. Um, so, yeah, I really wouldn't discount them out of the title chase. I think they play on Wednesday at Leeds, uh, sorry, with Leeds at home as their game in hand. So I fully anticipate they'll win that. I think they'll win it handsomely. I think they're right back into the title shot. Um, it'll be all about what happens in the next coming weeks. As for Palace, I think the biggest thing for Palace is that Zaha is out for a few weeks. Um, he looks to be out for, I think they said the um, early March, which is a big loss for them. Um, I do like a couple of other players there, Elise um, and Eze. They're, they're two up-and-coming youngsters um, that have done really, really well, but they don't do it every game. They, they're very inconsistent with it. Um, so, yeah, I think Palace are massive overachievers. Um, and again, they're another team that don't score traditionally a lot of goals. So when teams like Forest are picking up goals, and by the way, I would say that was goal of the weekend, was probably Johnson's goal. But they're picking up goals like that. Um, yeah, Palace are definitely going to be looking over the shoulder. Definitely. And and also, you know, just to fit, sort of finish on Man United there, Sabitza, I think that's a great signing on loan for, for Man United. I watched him quite a lot when he was in when he was in Austria, and then obviously when he was at Leipzig, and then when he moved to Munich. For some reason, it's not clicked for him in Munich, though. I don't get that. Um, but yeah, he's one of the he's one of these people that he he likes to take every free kick, he likes to take every corner, he likes to get on the ball. The fact that Eriksson's out, I think he's going to be an absolute very made replacement for him. Right, yeah, I agree. Great, great sign on loan, Colin. Then let's this 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 rattle through the the rest of the, the the results this weekend. Newcastle be disappointed. They drew one all with West Ham at, at St James's Park on Saturday night. 
Um, scored two goals in two minutes, uh, the first two minutes, but one obviously was just out of play. But, you know, poor result for Newcastle. I think they missed a couple of really good chances, but I think that's a really good point for, for West Ham. As, um, and this is what we were talking about with Newcastle. It's just how consistent can it be? And it's, uh, I think, um, I think Eddie Howe has obviously massively improved them, but it's just having that killer edge to take you to the bins, as I said earlier on, to beat the jobbers that you need to be beating. Um, uh, this is what's going to um, potentially differentiate the, their season for getting Europe or not. Um, but West Ham, much needed. That's a, that was a bit of a give me, a, a give me I think, for Moyes. Um, I don't think he's put under too much pressure if he gets beat 3 nothing. St James's Park, the way uh, Newcastle are playing, so we get a point there. That's a massive boost for them. Um, gives them a wee bit of breathing space. And again, we keep on saying that we're getting to the stage now where teams not starting to take off points for the teams around about them. So that's a massive point for West Ham. I'll be interested to see if they do pull it back and maybe go on a bit of a run of form. Yeah, I think that could kickstart it. Uh, I think that could, that, that sort of result at Central Park. Be, be interesting though. West Ham are definitely not out of it. Uh, Graham, another result from the weekend, the, the highest score, scoring game um, was Aston Villa lost 4-2 at home to, to Leicester. Uh, big win for Leicester, uh, especially away from home. Their, their form's been a, a little bit, you know, hit and miss um, under Brendan Rodgers the last couple of years away from home. But to score four goals, um, the defending for Aston Villa, by the way, it felt like I watched the same goal four times. It was it was shocking. And that's what Tyro Mings uh, gives you up. But, um, you know, I will throw in as well Harry Souter uh, with an own goal on his debut. Um, had a brilliant World Cup. Big Rangers fan, apparently. So, um, you know, hopefully he does well there. But what, what did you make of uh, that result uh, this weekend? Yeah, it was that's a, it's a big result for, for Leicester, as you've said. Again, I think last week we'd said, look, it won't be long. Hey, Rogers is probably too good a coach. And they actually um, bought a couple of players in, in January, obviously, sort of that you've mentioned. So I'm surprised at the scoreline. I'm not overly shocked at the result. I think it's probably only normal that maybe under Emery, Aston Villa might be a bit inconsistent, certainly until he really gets his feet under the table and um, gets him fully playing how he wants him to. So no, good result, and I think the only I really do think the only look up I don't think Leicester were really ever in any danger of uh, going down. Um, and yeah, I think I think they'll be pushing for mid table now. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, they've definitely got a lot of quality there, Leicester, and I think it's just getting them all fit to be fair to the Rogers. Jamie Chelsea uh, with the Friday night game, they they drew nil nil. A um, couple of things I, I, I'd like you to sort of touch on is. Havertz, is he a number nine for, for you know for Chelsea? I, I, I'm not sure on that one. But also on this game, I've got to mention the performances. Um, Fulham were very good, um, but Polina, the, the midfielder, I think he's been very underrated this season. I think he's been a great signing. Um, and also uh, William um, was good going back to to you know to, to Stamford Bridge. I thought he was a standout, and Tete as well. To be fair, the right back, he ended up getting man of the match. But Fulham are definitely you know going on a good run and that they could be ones that end up getting that, you know, European place. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it was inevitable that obviously with Chelsea's fun that they got so much, so much riches to choose from that they drew an absolute blank on the first game um, with all the, all the new players. 
Um, the strange one was uh, the lad Mudrick being taken off at half time. Now, I know they said that um, he was being taken off because he had a cold, but he had a, he was good enough to start the game. So I don't get why that was a kit. Why that was an issue. I was actually impressed with the Enzo Fernandez. I thought he he went looking for the ball every time, and he never really let go of it. Um, he he played people in. He always looked to go forward. He he really impressed me. But as you said, the two people on the day were William and Polino. Um, I think there was a, I think there was a there was a segment where Polino went for four sliding tackles in a row, and the ref had booked him on the fourth one. But he won the ball every four times. It was just. You just don't see it happening so much in the middle of the park. He was in at everything. Um, and William looked about 23 years old again because he was just nutmegging people and going out to the wing. They, they were massively standouts. Um, I was really, really impressed. The lad, Tete, um, I don't know too much about him, but um, he was just in about everything. Um, he, I think him and Thiago Silva were probably you know, the best defenders on the day. Um, and then you had the two midfielders. They were the, the equally in good measure for both teams. Havertz, Havertz just doesn't have the numbers for a number nine. Um, he really doesn't. He had the numbers at Leverkusen, but he didn't play as a out-and-out streak. He played as a winger. He played the team over in a role, if you like, at Leipzig, where he, you know where he would run off on the wing and he would play off somebody. Somebody would knock him in behind. Chelsea don't do that. They 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 want him in the box, getting on the end of balls. That's not Havertz's style of play. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that they don't score goals. Um, it surprises me that they have so many people that can score goals that just don't don't score them. Um, you've got Raheem Sterling, you've got Pierre Abamyang. Unfortunately, the boy Brozier, who's probably a traditional number nine, is injured and out for the season by the looks of it. So they all happen to put up with what they've got. Jao Felix in his first half against Fulham before he got sent off looked absolutely mesmerising. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the number nine slot when he comes back into the team. I actually think he comes back in this weekend, is it? Yeah. Um, so I, I fully anticipate him to be you know, back in, in, in the mix. Um, if Mudrick's fit, then I think Mudrick starts as well. So straight away, you've got a bench of Havertz, Sterling, Aubameyang, ZH potentially, it's 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 absolutely astronomical. To, you know, from a from a first eleven, well, from a from a first eleven on a bench to what some teams can put out. Um, but yeah, I think all credit goes to Fulham. I prob- but I but I think Graham mentioned it last week. Their manager probably goes under the radar a little bit because of how well people like Brighton um, and Brentford have been doing. Like, the- oh, just. Lost. Okay. That's there. Jamie's uh, battery died. Um, <laughs> Colin, um, the last game of the weekend was was uh, Brighton beat Bournemouth. Uh, the last couple of minutes, you know, as I said, there Brighton are absolutely flying as well. But that man Matoma uh, stepping up with another big goal. Um, you know, apparently Arsenal were watching him. It, it doesn't surprise me. But two point five million they paid for him. Just think, we paid more for Matondo. What a signing for Brighton. Oh dear, no, don't be talking about Matondo. Uh, <laughs> I come on, I'll show you get away for Rangers. Um, no, he, he's going to go for at least 10 times that amount, um, uh, maybe even 20 times that amount. The, the way he's playing, um, the way the English market is, it's um, it's a, it's a lovely header, um, that he's he's met away, um, in the in the dying moments when it really matters. Um, I really like him. He's you see him involved, he's um. It, he does drift in for the left and near the centre quite a bit. When he's getting a bit of freedom, he is quite a 
Mitch Whitaker clever player and very dangerous. I, I do see him maybe going to Arsenal or you know, I don't maybe not mind you Liverpool. Um but one of the so called top six um in the summer. Um it's quite an interesting game, I I wasn't really expecting Bournemouth to I mean, they weren't too dangerous, but they did come out and try and have a, a wee bit of a pop, but I suppose it's do or die for them, isn't it? Um, they really needed to be trying to have a go every game, and um, they were unlucky. Um, I thought the, the keeper um, pulled off a couple of really good saves. Um, Brighton weren't at their, the firing best, but they probably, if you're, being, if you're a Brighton fan, you you would have been expecting to be taking a couple of chances in the first half. But no, I think I've seen for, a wee bit for Bournemouth that they might at least maybe make it interesting if they're going to try and approach most games to go and have a go, try and go and get the points and see they scrape in a draw, then it, it might be an interesting run that they have. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely a team that's not out of it. But um, I think since Gary O'Neill's got the job, I don't think they've won a game. So uh, they need to find a win uh, very, very quickly. Um, and, and gents, I'm not sure if we're going to get Jamie sort of back on now because we're going to wrap up. But this week's question is, um, the best deadline day transfer uh, ever in the, in the Premier League, and um, uh, you, know, you know, hopefully Jamie makes it in time. But Graham, what, what was your choice? Um, the best deadline deadline day transfer. Right. So this was for this season, right? All time. Oh man, I <laughs> see. I didn't realise it was an old time. Yes, you didn't do your homework. No, yeah, you didn't should realise. That's what? not that's my dog. Is... said. Why do you think I said Enzo Fernandez? Because I thought we were talking about this transfer. The guy's just got the British um, transfer record. So he's either going to be a, the best bit of business or the best flop. Either way, it's the best transfer. Um, I would not. Nah, I, I couldn't have just off the cuff go all time in, in January transfers. Ones that didn't happen, I think uh, Odom Wingate turned up at the car park. Though. Can, can I just throw that one in there? That's, that's one of my that's one of my old time favourites. I think that was January anyway. If that summer, I'll be gutted. But let's throw that one in there. No, that was a that was a belter to be fair. Still, still that gets played on Sky Sports News. You just think, how did that even even happen? Um, are they are they are they Sky Sports News presenter getting a doubt on easier? Either way, one of those will um, one of those will have fresh in the memory. <laughs> Love it. No, thanks for thanks for coming on to that. Well, cheers, mate. Colin, what was obviously thanks for for coming on as well. Um, but yeah, what's your? I hope you've done your your homework. Um, what's your best uh, all time? Deadline uh, day transfer. No, thanks for having me, Mason. Cheers, Graham. Um, it's fun, fun to talk all things English Premier League as always. Um, mine's is I, I was, I was torn between a couple. Um, I, I've not done January transfer. I've done all deadline day transfers. Um, I'm going to go for Ashley Colbert for five million pound. Um, albeit they let William Gallas go the other way, but the absolute, arguably one of the best left-backs of his generation, easily the best left-back in Britain. When I look at um, the comparison five years ago, when the best left-back in Britain, Michael Ball, went for £6.5 million pound, um, up the road, getting Ashley, Ashley Cole for £5 million, unbelievable. And the impact that he had for Chelsea, he, that was him just about to reach his peak as well and he went on and he is one of the best fullbacks that I've ever seen. Um brilliant bit of business. Sending Gallus all the way, who Gallus just getting over the hill, thirty year old, um 
Chelsea had that cover in abundance and no, I thought it was a fantastic bit of business. Me and you have definitely looked at the same uh, site today on Google because that was my <laughs> topic as well. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, you're absolutely spot on, mate. He was he was top draw, and you think for five million, um, you know, as you said, I know Gallus went the other way, but definitely the left back, best left back of our generation. I think maybe it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for what he would cost nowadays, you're looking at silly money. One thing that has just popped to my mind that I definitely know was a a, a deadline day was uh, Berbatov. Now there's a guy that made a there's a guy that made an impact for for Man U. Um, top of my head, couldn't tell you how much he went for, etc. But um, I mean, it left Tottenham Royal up the shiter, and he did phenomenal for Man U. Uh, so there's a there's there's one that had a bit of had a bit of bite to it, and and in the long term, he was he was phenomenal for them. Let's face it. So there we go. Um, not looked at anything, and I'm sure there's probably about 40 better transfers, but that's the first one that just came in my head after I realised what the question was. So there you go. No, well, you stay for the question. Jamie realised he didn't have an answer and fucked off. So. <laughs> no, brilliant. Now, Berbatov was a top player, so that's not a bad bad shot up the cuff there, Graham. But uh, the other the other two to mention would be Wayne Rooney to Man United, which I didn't realise was, was deadline day, and uh, Luis Suarez to Liverpool. Um, absolutely top top player. So uh, yeah, me I think me and Colin definitely had the same Google site today there. But um, <laughs> as always, uh, listeners, fa- thanks for for listening. Um, we'll be back next week with more, you know, games to 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 know to talk about. And uh, make sure you keep an eye out for more content from the Gallant Few. All the best. <laughs>